الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمد رسول الله In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful We thank Allah, we praise Him for the opportunity for us to live another year, another day another Ramadan, another Jummah It's a blessing for me to be here with you today, as it's a blessing for all of us to be here today together. The ancient Arabs had an interesting tradition. Whenever they needed to make a choice, whenever they needed to make an important decision in their life, they participated in an activity that is somewhat peculiar. They took a bird they would hold that bird in their hands. They would submit the question that they want answered. And then they would throw the bird up in the air. If the bird were to go to the right, it would be a good omen. And they would move forward with the decision. If the bird were to go to the left, it would be a bad omen. And they would not go forward with the decision. And this was the tradition before Islam for centuries. A man wanted to get married, he needed to decide whether he should marry a certain woman, he would participate in this activity and make his decision accordingly. Business propositions, business deals were all established by this methodology. And the methodology became so popular that it became known as At-Tayr, which in Arabic means the bird. And it became so popular that it became a part of their language. To the, to the result in which it became their word for fate, or their word for destiny. And so when the Quran refers to this word, ta'ir, while we know it means bird, in certain contexts, it also means our fate and our destiny. And to many people, our fate and our destiny is elusive. We don't quite know what our fate is. And more significantly, what seems to be debated and sometimes talked about is the control over our fate. How much control do we have? And how much control does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have over our fate? We know first and foremost that Allah qadirun ala kulli shayt. He has power over all things. Nothing is impossible when Allah is part of the equation. But I'm going to share with you a verse that I believe hones in very keenly on this point. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, every man's fate we have fastened firmly to his own neck. On the day of judgment, we shall bring out for him a scroll which he will see spread wide open. In other words, our fate is in our own hands. And the consequences of our lives and where we end up in this life as well as in the hereafter are directly as a result 
of the choices that we make. And this is the way Allah has set things up. We make decisions. Sometimes we think they're good decisions. But in retrospect, sometimes we look back at those decisions, we realize maybe those weren't the best decisions. And as a result of which, I am in the situation that I am in right now. And I think we need to understand that on the day of judgment, as this verse says, a book will be laid out for us and it will be wide open, widespread. All these details of the decisions that we made in this life will be, will be laid out right in front of us. You want to know why your marriage ended that way? Here are all the reasons. You want to know why it didn't quite work out for you in that particular business proposition? Here are all the reasons. And every single one of those reasons are choices that we made. Now, naturally, we do the best we can. No doubt about that. And we put our trust in Allah. That we are making the best decision that we can and that He guides us and, inshallah, the best result comes out. And we know sometimes... It may be that something bad occurs and it may be good for you. We are fully aware of that. And you may even like the result of something, but it actually ends up being bad for you. The point I'm making here is that we have more control over our fate and our destiny than we may realize. And it's an important point to keep in mind, particularly in the climate that we are in these days. The talk seems to be largely focused on our financial crisis. And a lot of people like to point blame. <clears throat> Some people say it's the lender's fault. They gave out loans to risky people. They shouldn't have done that. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. <clears throat> Other people say it's the people's fault themselves. They knew what they can afford and what they can't afford. And I think most would agree that as a society, generally, our country spends more than we can afford. And as a result of which, we are in the crisis that we are in, the financial crisis that we are in. As a result of choices that we have made, we have in our hands our fate, our destiny, which is, as we know it now, the financial crisis. This is one example. But I'm more concerned about another type of crisis that may be ahead of us. And may Allah protect us from it. It is a social crisis. It's the crisis of our families, and more specifically, our children. I am an educator by profession. I've been a teacher for almost 15 years. And I spend a lot of time with young children. I certainly don't have the years of experience to be able to see more than one or two generations. But I can tell you that from just what I've seen, I'm concerned. And I'm sure many of you in this room are also concerned about the fate or the destiny of our children and what they will become. And we hear the term all the time, our youth are lost. Our children need guidance. And again, I bring us back to the same principle that I began with. Our fate is in our, is in our hands. Or more specifically, our fate hangs on our necks.
if we want to save our children, if we want to prevent a social crisis, then it is important that we invest in our children. It is important that we take active steps to make a difference in the lives of our children. And when I say our children, I mean it generally. I also mean it specifically. Many of us in this room have children. Some of us have grandchildren. Some of us don't even have children. We may have nieces and nephews. The point is, all of us in this room know a child. And today is a very interesting day for me because I was a child in this very masjid. I grew up here. And interestingly enough, this is my first time up here to give you a khutbah. I've given many khutbahs before. But it's kind of a homecoming for me to be here amongst all of you to see some very familiar faces. Some individuals here who I wish to publicly thank and acknowledge for making a difference in my life. And I hope that I can make a difference in the lives of other children in the way that the people in this room have made, it, made an impact on mine and others. I'm using this as a case study for us all. We can make a difference in the life of a child. It can be, it can be our own child. I'm going to share just a few statistics that might startle you. There was some research that shows that parents spend 30 minutes a week of quality time with their children. I've seen others that say 17 minutes a day is spent together as a family. 17 minutes just together as a family. Some of us may think about that as I say that and wonder, how much time do I spend with my kids? How much time do I sit and talk to my child? How often have I taken any child, not even my own, and offered them some advice? Imam Jafar al-Sadiq said, talk to your children, because if you don't, someone else will. And we know there are plenty of other someone else's in this society. There are plenty of other something else's in this society. And unless we talk to our children, it's going to be Facebook that talks to our children. We must engage, we must plug in. I'm going to leave you with a couple of suggestions. Number one, and this is probably the most important thing we can do for our children, that is to role model. To be the adults that we want our children to become. And let them see it. And let them see it and feel it. Be the adults that we want our children to become in front of them. And role modeling is ultimately the best parenting. And the only other suggestion I'm going to make is to live your values. Live your values. Don't talk your values. Don't enforce your values. And certainly don't punish. But rather live your values. And inshallah, with Allah's guidance, we will indeed be the masters of our faith, the masters of our destiny. <clears throat> the first recipients of our sadaqah, of our charity, as the Prophet ﷺ recommends, should be our family. Make a conscious decision to be an active part of the life of a child, whether it be your own or any other child. Make an active commitment to be a part of that person's life. Because if we don't, we will suffer a social crisis. One that's already hurting us in many ways that frighten me 
as I'm sure it frightens many of you. Some of you probably know a child who you feel has been lost or is, the going, is on that path. Let's prevent any more from becoming on that path and let's save as many as we can from that path. Because remember, my brothers and sisters, we hold our fate in our own hands. It's hanging around our necks. And if a child becomes lost, if the next generation cannot carry the banner of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, it is our destiny and it is in our hands. Ask Allah for forgiveness. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna Allahu malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyya ayyuhalladhina amun wa sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alayhi Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim ala alayhi Ibrahim. The month of Ramadan brings many blessings. And it serves as a great reminder. And one thing that is probably more common in Ramadan, among many other things, than any other time of the year is dua, the supplication. We raise our hands up and we ask Allah for things. I'm going to ask you to consider something that occurred to me not too long ago about this concept of dua, the supplication. First of all, Allah knows what we want before we even ask for it. So there has to be a wisdom, I thought, to why Allah is asking us to make dua if He knows what we want. Why do I even have to ask? He knows. And the answer is this. Because someone else is listening to that dua. Not only does Allah hear that dua, we hear that dua. And it has an impact on us. Because if you look carefully at all of the dua that we say, each one of them is telling us something very important. It's telling us something. Here's one in particular that's very common, where you say it very frequently. I want to translate just part of that dua which is, Oh Allah, please don't put on us a burden greater than we have the strength to bear. Right? We know this one. And I'm sure we ask that one all the time. During tough times and difficult times and, and, and easy times, we ask Allah, please put not on us a burden greater than we have the strength to bear. But most of us may not remember that the verse before that very dua in the Quran begins as follows. لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت. Allah does not put on a soul a burden greater than it has the strength to bear. And then we make the dua where we ask Allah, don't put on us a burden greater than we have the strength to bear. Allah is reminding us, even through the dua that we ask Allah, He is reminding us that we control our fate. We have as much, we, we have control over how things go. And more importantly, he's reminding us, when I make a dua or I say, oh Allah, don't put a burden on me greater than I have the strength to bear, he's reminding me that he just said that he won't put on me a burden greater than I have the strength to bear. As difficult as it may seem, I will get through it. And when I make that dua, it affirms in my heart that Allah will not 
put on me a burden greater than I have the strength to bear. And the list goes on and on. There's another dua that I'll share with you before I close, and that is of the Prophet them very popular one. It's used quite frequently. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِينَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Oh Allah, give us the best in this life and the best in the hereafter and protect us from the fire. I love that dua. Because again, if we understand dua as being to Allah and also to ourselves, we are telling ourselves something very important. We are telling ourselves something very important. We are reminding ourselves that in this life I want what is best as well as in the afterlife I want what is best. In other words, I am going to make the best out of this life. I am going to take control of this life. I'm going to take responsibility for the things that happen to me in this life and realize that they are as a result of my choices and the decisions that I have made. There's a verse that uh, is uh, in Surah Al-Kahf. And say that the truth is from Allah. Whoever wishes to believe is going to believe. And whoever intends to disbelieve is going to disbelieve. So while we all know that Allah has power over all things, and ultimately Allah has control over all things in the end, it's really our own choices. It's really in our own hands. Or more appropriately, it's hanging around our necks. And on the Day of Judgment, those books will be laid out and we'll know exactly why we were successful in this life or unsuccessful. It'll be laid out wide so that we can see all those decisions. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us righteous children. Oh Allah, we ask that you guide us on the straight path. Oh Allah, we, hope that you, you ask that, we ask that you help us see all that is wrong and help us to avoid it. Help us see all that is bad and help us uh, help us see all that is good and give us the strength to do it. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار. ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من دونك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب. اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه. وصلى اللهم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين. وقم السلام.